Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special Christmas message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Hopefully you don't make the same mistake this one grandma made. Year after year, she would buy things for her grandkids and for her kids only to have them exchange them or take them back or cash them in. And so she said, this year, I'm going to let them buy for themselves. I'm going to write them a check. And so she got some beautiful cards and she sat down to her desk and she wrote some checks. And she wrote a note in the Christmas card and she mailed the cards. Well, three months later, she's going through her desk and she's horrified to find a stack of checks in her desk. She sent the cards, but she hadn't sent the gifts in the card. So every one of her children and grandchildren got a beautiful card. And inside it, it read, I couldn't decide what to get you for this Christmas. So go buy your own Christmas present. Hopefully you don't make that same mistake. And Christmas is my favorite time of year, really is. It really is my favorite time of year. You know, I'm not like really like in the mistletoe and all that stuff there. But, you know, Christmas really is my favorite time of year. And I think that uh, in many respects, I think it's the most important time of year. Um, And I think it's more important than Easter. Uh, You might say, how so, Rodney? Well, I think Christmas is more important than Easter because think about it. If the babe had not been born in Bethlehem, there wouldn't have been a Savior to die on Easter Sunday morning. So in many respects, Christmas is more important than Easter. And I love Christmas for many reasons. I like, uh, I love Christmas songs. I love Christmas music. Um, I was preparing a sermon and I did a search. Get this. In the Google search, I did a search using the word songs of Christmas. And the result of the search was 835,000 websites on songs of Christmas. And the songs included everything from All I Want for Christmas is My Two Front Teeth, uh, my favorite, uh, Grandma Got Ran Over by the Reindeer, (laughs) and uh, Ave Maria, you know... uh, Handel's Messiah, O Holy Night, everything in between these songs. And some of these songs are silly and they just have, give you a good laugh. And some of these songs have the power to transform your heart. And some of these songs can turn you from self-centeredness, listen, to God-centeredness. And some songs give you hope and give hope to the discouraged. And some songs give comfort to the sorrowful. And some songs give strength for the weary. I want to look at a song in the Bible. It's called Mary's Song. 
and uh, some uh, call it the Magnificat. I'll explain that later, but it's Mary's song. And I've actually titled this sermon, Knowing the Christ of Christmas, Mary's Baby. Luke uh, chapter 1, saints, and we're going to uh, pray before we read. So bow your heads and your hearts. Father, we thank you for your word today. And we thank you, God, that um, we hear you as you speak to our hearts, Lord. And Lord, we would say, do, do you hear what I hear? We hear the Spirit of God speaking to our hearts. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the word of God today. God, we've come to this place to hear the word of God, not just to be in church, but to really get a word from you. And Father, may you be magnified in our eyes as we look and gaze at the baby born in the manger and at his mother Mary, the special woman she is. Father, reveal things to us in a new way today. Saints, come on, lift your hands with me if it doesn't make you uncomfortable. And Father, with our hands lifted up, certainly, God, we're just reaching out to ask you to pour into us all that we need this day. In Jesus' name, we pray all of God's people, only if you agree, say amen. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 46, this is where we pick up today. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced, somebody read it with me, in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth, all generations will call me Mary blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, and he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her house. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. The writer of the book of uh, Luke is Dr. Luke. And Dr. Luke writes this very beautiful story of the announcement of the birth of Christ. And what makes this story so beautiful is that it's true. You ever see a movie, and at the end of the movie, you find out that it was true? It was like a true story, and you go, oh, man, that was awesome. It was a true story. Well, I think the same applies here, that the reason that this story is so beautiful is because the story is true. Earlier in the chapter, and I want to encourage you to read earlier in the chapter, the angel Gabriel shows up for the first time in 500 years. And later, or or the last time we saw him in the Bible was in Daniel chapter 8, as he was giving an interpretation of the ram. And it's about 10 years later, he shows up again and he tells Daniel that Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt after it had been destroyed. And then he gives the exact number of days. It's a phenomenal, awesome prophecy. You ought to read it, Daniel chapter 8. He gives the exact number of days from the building of the temple until Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. So now here in our text, it's 500 years later, and Gabriel shows up 
looking as young and as fresh as ever, announcing to Zechariah that God heard his prayer and that God was going to give him a son that he'd been praying for and the son that he'd been praying for. Anybody know the son's name? John. Very good. The name John means the Lord is gracious. If your name is John, that's a beautiful name. Mommies, that's a great name. The Lord is gracious. And that John is going to be great and filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, after this announcement, then Gabe goes to the city of Nazareth to visit, you know this Christmas story, to visit a virgin who is engaged to a man named Joseph. And when he came in, he said, rejoice, highly favored one. Now, it's very interesting. Listen to me. There's only one other time in the New Testament where we see these words together, highly favored. And that's in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, where it says that we believers are accepted and highly favored and beloved of God. The only other time in the New Testament that we see these words highly favored is in regard and in connection to us believers, that we are highly favored and blessed by God. Are you glad about it? We're highly favored and blessed by God. I'll wait while you clap your hands. I'll clap my hands. Praise the Lord. We're blessed and highly favored, beloved of God. And so the angel shows up and he says, rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Right about verse 28 of chapter 1. And then peruse with me verse 29 of chapter 1. When Mary heard this, she was troubled at his saying. And she couldn't believe the words that were coming out of his mouth. And then Gabriel gives uh, Mary the good news that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah. And she will call him, anybody know his name? Jesus. Does anybody know his name? All right. His name is Jesus, and it means, if you're taking notes, write it down. It means Jehovah is salvation. And it was at that time that Mary began to ask some biological questions like, how can this be? I've never been intimate with a man. Now listen, I think it's interesting that Mary's first question Listen, Bible students, it's interesting that Mary's first question to the angel was questioning the virgin birth. Now, I bring this up because there are some so-called preachers, so-called ministers who also question the virgin birth. And they say they don't believe in the virgin birth. They say they don't believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. They don't believe, they say, in the inspired word of God. And yet they say they believe in Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you don't believe in the virgin birth, then you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. Because the Jesus of the Bible was born of a woman whose father was the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived of a virgin. It was a virgin birth. And if you don't believe that, then you don't believe the Jesus of the Bible. And then that would question, I would question, are you really saved? Now you say to Rodney, man, Rodney, that's hard. That sounds strange. That sounds hard. But listen, the virgin birth is essential for you to believe in order for you to be a Christian. You probably never thought about it like this, but it is essential that you believe this because the virgin birth has everything to do and rest, your salvation rests on it. 
If Jesus, was, Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then his death was good for nothing. If Jesus was born of two human beings, his death doesn't make him a savior. It makes him a martyr. So on the other hand, if he was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, then he was sinless. And his death on the cross had the power to forgive us of our sins. Somebody say amen. It's essential. So the angel tells Mary she's going to be the mother of God. Mary gets out of town fast. And she goes to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. Mary walked in the house and greeted Elizabeth and Zachariah. And, and, and John the bee jumped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, Mary, my child is leaping for joy. And then she said with a loud voice, blessed are you among women. Listen, that's all the confirmation Mary need, needed. Blessed are you among women. That's the same thing that the angel said. So that's all the confirmation she needed. And now she can see clearly that God is going to do an awesome thing. And it's about to change the course of human history. And the next three decades will be the most important of all time. Interesting. The savior of the world, get this, is born, about to be born. And God is occupying himself with two obscure women. One old and barren and the other one, young and virginal. Mary is so moved by this news that she's going to be the mother of God that she breaks out in a song that has come to be known as Mary's song or the Magnificat. The word Magnificat is, comes from the Latin, which means to magnify. It means to make large. It means to make great in the eyes, to honor highly. Mary uses the word Lord, God, he, his, over 16 times in nine verses. So not only is Mary pregnant, listen, but her song is also pregnant with praise unto God. Now, there are a few things I want you to note about this song. First of all, listen, this song is scriptural. I think it's important. Somebody say amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. I think it's important that music be scriptural, especially in the church. The songs we sing, the worship that we partake of, you know, songs on the screen and the songs that Steve Leslie chooses and, and Pastor Matt chooses for worship, those songs need to be biblical. And they need to be scriptural because you can find yourself singing a theology that is unbiblical. And listen to me. Lots of churches do it. Singing songs that are unbiblical. They're just unbiblical. You need to be not only listening for the beat, but you need to be reading those words. Oh, somebody say a better amen than that. Goodness gracious. We need to be reading those words, and those words need to be biblical because those words are going into your spirit, and those words are laying the foundational stones for your theology, for what you believe. Worship needs to be biblical. Music and singing needs to be scriptural, and Mary's song is scriptural, which tells us that Mary knew the word of God. There are at least 15 quotes and or allusions to the Old Testament in Mary's song. Mary knew the word of God. 
Get this. She needed the word of God, and she didn't go to Bible college. She needed the word of God, and she didn't go to seminary. Mary knew the word of God. She obviously had a love for God and a love for his word that produced a beautiful theology and a deep intimacy with God and a deep, strong faith in God's promises that one day God would send a Messiah. And so she begins by saying, my soul magnifies the Lord. Are you with me? Five reasons I'm going to give you right now why Mary magnified the Lord. And here's where I want you to write down. Take some notes. Five reasons why Mary magnified God. Number one, because he saved her. We're going to find that in verse 47. Because he saved her. Number two, because he chose her. Mary magnified God because he saved her. huh? And because he chose her. We'll find that in verse 48. And then thirdly, because God was mighty for her. We'll find that in verse 49. And because of what God did for us, number four, we'll find that in verse 50. And then finally, the fifth reason why Mary magnified God is because of what God did for Israel in verse 54 through 55. Five reasons why Mary magnified God, because he saved her, because he chose her, because God was mighty for her, because of what he did for us, and because of what he did for Israel. Number one, Because he saved her. Saints, I want you to look at verse 47. Verse 47 says, my spirit has rejoiced in what, saints? God, my Savior. Now, except for Jesus, listen, Mary is probably the most controversial person in the Bible. Because on one side of the church, there's a group who claim that she's deity. The Catholic Church, listen. I have a Catholic background. If you've been in Calvary Chapel, you know that. And I went to Catholic school, all of elementary, uh, the first two years of high school. And then uh, I got kicked out, which is another sermon. And um, things happen. And um, did I ever tell y'all why I got kicked out? I won't tell you now. It's all right. Um, so I went to Catholic school for... Um, many years, and, 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 and I was taught, and Catholics believe concerning Mary, that Mary sits at the right hand of Jesus. They believe that Mary helped Jesus redeem man from their sins. The Catholic Church, and listen, by no means are my comments intended to be asparaging or disrespectful or anything like that. I'm just telling you what, what they believe. Uh, they believe that Mary was a co-redeemer or that Mary was a co-mediator. In other words, the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was on one side of the cross and Jesus was on the other. They teach that Mary ascended into heaven. They teach that Mary did not die, that she ascended. We call that the assumption, or they call that the assumption of Mary, that she just went up, she just ascended into heaven, that she didn't die. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin and that she didn't have any other children. Listen, that can't be right. And historically, that doesn't even make sense. Because Jewish people and some of your Bible students who know your Bibles and you know your history, you know that to the Jewish mind, when God said be fruitful and multiply, to a Jewish mind, that meant be fruitful and multiply. That meant have children. That meant have as many kids as you possibly can. And, and, and to the Jewish mind, 
having children was a blessing. And having male children was a double blessing. So for Mary to be a perpetual virgin doesn't make sense. Not only that, but Matthew, I've been saying, Mark, it's Matthew 13, 55, 56, talks about Jesus' brothers and sisters. So Jesus is the older brother. He is the first. Are y'all hearing me? He is the first. And then Mary went on to have other children. So on one side of the church, you have those who are deifying Mary and making her God. And then on the other side, we have protesting Protestants and, and, and who are going to the extreme. And they say Mary was like every other woman, that she didn't, she wasn't special. That she isn't the co-redeemer, she isn't the co-mediator, that she wasn't a perpetual virgin and she was like every other woman. And they're making Mary less than what God calls her. Listen, just let me say this here. Mary is not like other women. Mary is special. The Bible says that she found favor with God And with men, that she was a special woman. She found favor with the Lord. She was special. I mean, think about it. She's the mother of God. Who? What woman in this room is the mother of God? Please stand. None? Nobody? Why? She's special. Of course she's special. She was a mother of God, but she wasn't God. Somebody say amen. She wasn't God. And Mary didn't help pay the price for our sins as a co-mediator. The Bible says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. One mediator. Mary wasn't a co-mediator. Verse 46, please look at it. She said, I rejoice in God. Are you looking at verse 46? I rejoice in God. My Savior, Mary, knew she needed a Savior. In the book of Acts, chapter 1, when the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit, Mary was gathered in the upper room waiting and praying with the other disciples. Mary needed a Savior like everybody else. And even though she was special, interesting, Jesus kept his priority. You know, you got a mom who's special to God, but Jesus in his earthly ministry kept his priority and he kept his focus. I think of Luke chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus had just finished preaching and this woman in the audience, she just kind of yells out. She says, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast that you nursed. And Jesus said to that woman, he said, more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. Another time, Mary and Jesus' brothers wanted to talk to him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. And somebody came to Jesus and said, Jesus, your mom and your brothers and sisters, your family's out there and they need to talk to you. And Jesus said, my mother and my brother are they that hear the word of God and do it. You'll find that in Luke 8, 21. Mary is special. I mean, think about it. Mary knows stuff about Jesus that nobody knows. Think about that. 
She knows stuff about Jesus nobody knows. Ma- Mary, Mary knows what Jesus was like when he was a baby. And when you get to heaven, you'll only be able to ask Mary, hey, what was Jesus like when he was a baby? Like when he was in your stomach, did he kick a lot? I mean, you know, he's God. Was he like just chilling and in there as, as God resting on the throne? Who knows? He's God. He could have made his own throne in there and been very comfortable. And I don't know why I'm saying this. <laughs> You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Hi, this is Pastor Rodney from Salt and Light. The holiday season is arguably the busiest time of year. Meals to prepare, gifts to buy, guests to receive, decorations to be set up, cards to send, and long lines to endure, and the list goes on. May I encourage you to spend time with the Lord and His Word? During these busy times, you'll find that spending time with Jesus will calm the chaos and steady your focus. Because remember, Jesus truly is the reason for the season. May you and yours have a Jesus-filled Christmas and a blessed new year.